Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz on the phone lines with me, as always. You can check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. We've got a lot of writing. We're going to try to pick up the podcast a little bit as we head back toward uh, the end of summer. Football's coming. You know, basketball at some point is coming. This podcast is actually going to be our first basketball one in a while surrounding the commitment of Franz Wagner. You know, it's it's a little unfair to put a ton on him, but but I, I wrote about this this weekend. All the offseason losses combined, you know, that Michigan has taken, losing their top three scorers, losing Jalen Wilson, losing John Beeline, you know, they have a new staff in place. There, there, are, there are reasons that Michigan fans could be excited about it, but it was a offseason full of uh, people leaving. And so this is finally, it's, it's Juwan Howard's first um, commitment, first recruiting win, beat out Alba Berlin. You know, hard to tell, hard to say how much they were willing to pay or, you know, I, I thought there was some rumor that maybe their coach wasn't going to return. Lots of, lots of little complications, but... Uh, Franz is really good. He is really good, and and we'll kind of break down what that means for Michigan throughout this podcast, along with a little bit of a look at at what the team looks like in the summer. You know, it's haven't really gotten to see what John Sanderson's results or the the strength machine that that you know we haven't quite seen that part yet. But we can talk about like who might gain the most this summer, things like that. But Franz, for some context, he played for Alba Berlin, not the junior team which I believe is what Mo played for, like the, the actual pro team, the same team Derek Walton is on. And and he didn't start. You know, he only averaged, what, 4.7 points per game, 1.3 rebounds per game. But he, nobody really starts. I mean, they, you know, they're not quite like an NBA team, but they are one of the top 10 teams in Europe. And Franz, to his credit, won the... Uh, won Germany's top player under 22 award, which is notable because of the last six winners, three of them are in the NBA right now and have played in the NBA for multiple years. The last teenager to win, because a lot of times it goes to like 20, 21-year-olds, the last teenager to win was Dennis Schroeder, Schrader, however you say it with the O with the with the two dots over it. Yep. And he is averaging, over the last three years, he's averaged about 18 points a game in the NBA. That was the last teenager to win. Franz is 17. He turns 18 in, I believe, August 27th, something like that. So this is a this is a huge pickup. If you look at how badly Michigan needed really just anybody at the two or the three, and we'll talk a little bit about the position, what the lineup looks like, things like that. You know, I had this discussion on on Inside the Huddle today. When was the last time Michigan football or basketball needed a recruiting win like this this badly? And I think one example that comes to mind is Denard Robinson in 2009 when they were in desperate for a Rich Rod quarterback. Because, you know, for them to... We'll see. We'll see what these other players look like. There are players that can step up. I don't think they were going to be this, you know, cellar dweller team. But without without really a known commodity at the two or the three, I think I think it was fair to you know call them maybe a a bubble type team. 
heading into next season. But I think with Franz, with the lineup that they have now, like I think he's such a missing link, both from a stylistic standpoint and just just being able to do things. I mean, he and this this is, you know, he's not God, but he's gonna he's on NBA draft boards already. Like people see him as an NBA prospect, and our, our Evan Daniels, who has actually followed Franz's career for quite some time, has him as a top fifty recruit, or or says he would be in that category, that that high four star, kind of like where Jalen Wilson was. And so, but but perhaps a little bit more polished and college ready than Jalen Wilson. So there's there's a lot to lot to unpack there. <laughs> it was, I mean, to me, I look at this as Mitch McGarry when he committed to Michigan in 2011. Like that's what I compare it to as far as how how big it is. I mean, they got gifted probably a player who could lead them in scoring in July. You know, and it's someone who is is ready now. I mean, it's 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 not Mo, right? Mo Mo, everyone knew needed at least a year. Um, it, this is this is Franz, who for his age is better than Mo, and seems to be a little bit more closer to the finished, polished product that he can become. So huge win for for Michigan. You know, they didn't beat out necessarily other schools, but this is a this is a big W for Jawan Howard to get, and 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 you know, contextually, Franz did his official visit when nobody, you know, they didn't have a coach, and Sadie Washington and DeAndre Haynes kind of had to make make do. So Steve, I I don't know, you know, what what your thoughts are, but this is this is a huge huge victory for the Wolverines. By you know, I I I've, I got to think you agree with that. I mean, any single recruit who can change the complete perception of your team's potential in a given season, obviously it's it's a pretty significant. Different in, than in football in that regard as far as, you know, rarely in football is there ever going to be one guy mm-hmm. that, you know, can, you know, maybe a guy that two years or three years from now can, you know, kind of be – you know, ironically, I guess you could almost argue Trevor Lawrence a little bit for Clemson, you know, kind of change things for them in year one. But uh, very, very rare in football where there's just, it's you know, it's a larger team and mm-hmm. rosters. So each, no matter how good of a player you have, there's still 10 or 11 guys on each side of the ball or whatever that have to perform for you to win. And basketball, yeah, it's different. You know, you, can, you see it in the NBA all the time with, you know, these – one or two guys that can change the entire outlook of the season for the league mm-hmm. as a whole, depending <laughs> on where they sign, you know? And so uh, for Michigan to somehow real Wagner in like this is it's, yeah, it's massive. Uh, you know, given that I think the consensus is that he's much more ready than Mo was at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, like you said, he could probably walk in and be their leading scorer that's a big deal. Because like you said, again, yeah, I think everyone with what they lost, I think everyone expected maybe a little bit of a down year, at least compared to what they've had, you know, in the last four or five years. Uh, but with, with Wagner on board, it, if anything to it, it gives some of those younger guys that they may have had to rely on at the two more time to, 
you know, get acclimated to a bigger role. I guess like you look at it, like say like a guy like Nunez may benefit from this more than almost anybody, right? As far as there won't be as much pressure on him to come in right away or Brooks, whoever would have been that guy next to Simpson, uh, you know, maybe there's, those guys are kind of the ones that went out here, you know, as far as not having to have that immediate pressure on them to right. kind of perform at a high, high level. Well, and they get you know, to play we'll, their role. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Instead of having to, I don't know. I think back to like like John Teske last year. Sometimes in some of those more physical games, they really could have used a, a big man, an, another shooting big man, because he's like in wrestling matches with uh, Bruno Fernando type players, or or you know Xavier Tillman, Nick Morton. Suddenly his threes, they're all hit in the front of the rim because his well his arms are tired and his form is. Is not what it is in practice, and you know I think Xavier Simpson's in a similar boat. He plays so much defense. I think sometimes it it would really behoove Michigan to have someone who can score. So yeah, it, getting getting to play your role is big. Um, for those curious, you know, again we haven't seen Franz play a college game. We haven't seen Juwan Howard coach a college game. So you know we're kind of working in in the unknown here, right? There's there's a lot of well, if this works or if that works, but Franz, you know, he's like six eight, six nine, hundred and eighty five, hundred and ninety pounds. So he's a little little thinner, but at the same time he's gonna be playing on the wing. Nobody's asking him. They've got enough not got enough big men. They don't need him to you know, it's not gonna be like Duncan Robinson when he was guarding <laughs> guys thirty pounds heavier than him at the four in like the twenty sixteen and seventeen seasons. This will be, you know, he gets to he gets to play the wing, maybe even the two, depending on what they can kind of get out of Isaiah Livers and Brandon Johns. And he, so he kind of looks to me a little like Joe Wieskamp out of Iowa. I think it's Wieskamp, not Wieskamp. And huh. and he, well, it's a similar. Well, it's a, yeah, I, I can see it. And, you know, it's kind of a lanky, can shoot, can also get to the rim, long-limbed, athletic. Uh, you know, just uh, someone who, I mean, a year ago at this time, I think Franz was like six 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 seven. So that in that sense, he's a little like Iggy. Now he doesn't play bass. He doesn't. His game isn't like Iggy, but Iggy, you know, had one of those later growth spurts, so he can play kind of like a two, but it has the body like the like a four. Uh, so there's, you know, again. No guarantee he's gonna, <laughs> you know, win Big Ten Freshman of the Year or. Or lead Michigan to an elite eight, but I think I think if Michigan could have added Joe Wieskamp right now to to their team, they'd be ecstatic, and that itself would be worth a few a few wins in their eyes. So it's as far as his game, lot to like, you know, part of that new age sort of positionless. I know Derek Walton uh, had a interview with Sam Derek Walton who played with him also didn't start for that team if you want some context there that's not a slight at Derek Walton he's very good it's just a very good team that he played on second best team in Germany one of the better teams in Europe and he mentioned he thinks one of the first things he mentioned and I won't give it all away but one of the first things he mentioned was his defense which has to be really encouraging for for Michigan fans, because you do kind of already have that defensive core, 
in Teske right. and Simpson and Brooks, Livers. And so if you can have someone else who can do that in addition to being known as a as a scorer and an offensive player, that's a huge plus. So anyway, uh, we, we can hit the we can hit some of the questions. We kind of discussed a little bit of what will be asked. But Brandon Pisarski says, with Franz in the fold, how do you see the lineup taking shape? What player? Well, we'll do what player now becomes critical in a moment. Lineup. This is where this is where the Franz factor is so big because you're looking and you're seeing. You know, you feel very good about the five, John Teske with Colin Castleton behind you. Right. You feel very good about the one because Xavier Simpson. I mean, he himself might be worth seven or eight wins for this team, and then Eli Brooks. And, and, and or David Julius behind him. You feel pretty good about the four. You know, you, you probably do want to see, I think Isaiah Livers has one more step to take to be, his, you know, who he can be. And I, but, and I think Brandon Johns, is his, his potential is much higher than what he showed last season. But you feel pretty good about the four. The two and the three, that's where things got real shaky. Because... You're probably still looking at Brooks and DeJulius at the two. Um, I think I think they're both capable of. It. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to have a six five guy at the two. You know, it does. You know, not every team does. At the three, you were looking at Colbajima and Adrian Nunez, who have a combined one made three pointer in college. Right, yeah. I, I, this is not a slight at them, but no, not at all. Bajima, Bajima, I think he was always seen as more of a. I phrased it to someone on on Twitter the other day. I think fans will really like him in 2020, 2021. Right, and and I think that was always the expectation, right there. I mean, yeah, got to get a lot bigger, right? Like, I mean, that was the biggest thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Adrian Nunez, total wild card. You know, he can shoot. He didn't do it last year. And you can't, in the Big Ten, I don't know if you can necessarily have just a shooter anymore. I think three-point shooting has become too much of a of a commonplace thing. And so I don't know how, how his defense is progressing. I don't know how his game is progressing. I'm not, I'm not saying he can't be good. But I think, I think to me... If I if I were Michigan, I would see it as a major win if he was, could kind of be that second or third guy off the bench this year. Because, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's why I mentioned him from the get-go. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy that you know really could benefit from this sort of that. I guess still just shoots the ball exactly like Clay Thompson does. But um, yeah, no, I fully I agree with you there on that. Mm-hmm. And that, so, so my starting lineup I were predicting right now would be Simpson, DeJulius, and, and Brooks. I would say play fifty-fifty minutes until I see one of them take a step forward, and then Franz, Livers, and Teske, which looks a lot better than with with you know no disrespect to Bajima or, or Nunez. Having Franz in there really makes a big difference. It makes you a little bit closer to a complete team, you know, a, a team where you don't feel like you have a hole in your sti- starting lineup. So, so there's that. 
Uh, as far as the bench, I mean, again, if you add someone who can maybe be your third best player, third or fourth best player, well, then everyone else, you know, you get just a little bit deeper. Because what it is 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 they they lost their top three scores, and they didn't replace them with anybody, and that's not necessarily anybody's fault. And the timing of Beeline taking the Cavaliers' job was suboptimal. It was, worst, it was the worst case. It was about timing wise, and I don't you know not really meaning this negatively towards Beeline. Just it was like a about a worst case scenario though. <laughs> I mean, there's just no air. Well, wasn't it? I mean, come on. I mean. Not saying like it's not really also his fault as far as like he it was quick, you know. It's not like Cleveland, or at least that we know of, that Cleveland contacted them that he let it drag on or anything. I mean, it was quick, mm-hmm. but the timing was horrible for them in that regard. Well, and they also had to wait. I mean, I don't know it, this, if if Beeline chooses his decision a little bit sooner. Do they wait around for Juwan Howard because he was still coaching? Right. With the NBA, so it's yeah the timing the timing this off season already had the shape of a of an L, right? They they were gonna kind of there were a couple guys that they were in on, but they were in a tough spot regarding transfers and you know Juwan Howard. I don't I don't know if they really could pursue a transfer because I know John Beeline has talked in the past. One reason he hasn't done grad transfers part of it's the system and the trust and everything. But part of it's that Michigan's grad programs, you got to apply a little bit sooner. Like, like they can't. I don't think they can get someone now. I think, I think they have to if they want a grad transfer. It has to be like Jerron Simmons, where it's got to be like all tied up in May. And they didn't really have a coach in May. I think was wasn't Juwan Howard formally. And I guess he was introduced May, like what May twenty second or so. But still, that's not a whole lot of time. And so, so, you know, they they didn't have a replacement, and now they have one. You know, they still have two scholarship spots. I'm guessing they'll just bank them for 2020, which makes sense. But yeah, they're in much, much better shape. And so let's let's go to Brandon's second question, talking about you know who, who really can be an X factor step up. He framed it as which, what player now becomes critical to the team's success. Uh, he says he keeps going back to Brandon Johns. Is it a cop-out? Because I feel like we've said it the last three years. Is it a cop-out to say Isaiah Livers? Because I, I think, think so. I think he, at his ceiling, is first-round pick, you know, leading no, I, leading scorer type, top defender, really versatile. It's, it's, it's not a cop-out at all, and here this is why. As his prog- his progression has been continued to be at a level in which, like, let's say last year he was really important because he was showing flashes, but they already had a good core, you know. So him putting the flashes a little bit more together in a complementary type role really is what could have put them over the top. Mm-hmm. This year, it's because he started to show those flashes much more consistently that now he's more important because they need him to be sort of an alpha, like one or two type guy on this roster. You know what I mean? Like his expect, yeah. as his expectations have changed, it hasn't really changed the fact that in a weird way, he's 
kind of the guy that can make a big difference for him. It's just been in a different role, you know, because they do. Yeah, it's this. The roster's constructed a lot differently than it has been, as far as you know. There's even with kind of what we knew with Iggy last year would be a guy that was going to put the ball in the basket. Uh, they kind of need one of those. They need a a bucket getter, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, I think in in a in that way, I don't, I don't think it's a cop out at all. I think yeah. he his role is like slowly, continually morphed. But like he also he just has kind of remained the guy that I think is just sort of that X factor for him uh, under whatever circumstance they seem to be in. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it. Last year he was the team's best three point shooter and best dunker. And so if you can get him to utilize that, that's a lethal combination. I, he with him at his ceiling. I don't know without having the list of Big Ten players in front of me, I think the list of players who can hang with him on both ends of the court would be kind of short. I think right. it would be it would be maybe a Wesson type. I think it would, although he plays at the five, right? So it would be Wesson, the one, what, Jalen Smith at Maryland. Yep. It would be, uh, if, I, if I'm missing somebody... It's not intentional. I, I, what about Garza? Mm, okay, that's that's a possibility. Yeah, he did kind of chew chew Michigan up. Yeah, he played really well mm-hmm. at the end of the year last year too. Mm-hmm. But it's a short list. He's he's right. you know looking very very promising as far as you know where he ranks at his position in the Big Ten and and I think uh, so. So I think he's definitely someone who there's. It's not necessarily pressure, but there is a supreme opportunity for Michigan to get a lot better if Isaiah Livers turns into a, let's say, second or third team All-Big Ten player. That puts them in business. Uh, two other guys who I really think are, are critical, and this is where, I don't know, I don't know where you fall on this, Steve, but... I think one knock that you could make on Beeline's tenure at Michigan was the usage of freshmen. Because Iggy won Big Ten Freshman of the Year, of course. He was used. Trey Burke was was fantastic. Nick Stauskas was pretty good. But I feel like, and and this is a little bit of John Sanderson and, and John Beeline developing talent, but I always felt like players who were freshmen all of a sudden came out of nowhere and were extremely good as sophomores and juniors. John Teske and Xavier, Xavier Simpson are two examples. You know, and so I don't know if that's Beeline maybe holding, keeping the freshmen on such a tight leash mistake-wise that they can't make an impact. But one thing that was interesting about last season is the Wolverines had three top 100 freshman recruits on the bench, or three four-star recruits on the bench playing non-rotation minutes. You know, Castleton started to work in there. Johns and DeJulius started playing more. But for how where they were as recruits, they didn't see that much action. So I, I think Castleton, I don't think there's a ton of pressure on him because he's going to have Teske. But I think Brandon Johns and David DeJulius... Yeah, DeJulius is the one I first thought of. Yeah, I mean... If you're asking me, like, who else can score double digits for Michigan, 
if DeJulius hits his stride and becomes the player that, well, he was recruited to become, he'll be one of those guys. I mean, he can shoot, he can get to the rim really fast. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what Michigan's tempo plans are, how fast they want to play, but DeJulius might be able to, to speed things up for them at times. And I know the phrase that always gets used with him is bulldogs. You got a pit bull and a bulldog in your, in your backcourt. Uh, (laughs) there are worse places to start and and he he often gets compared to Derek Walton so if you get a sophomore Derek Walton you probably like what what you have at the two now he's a little undersized and that will be an interesting experiment to watch uh, when he's supposing he's starting at the two but I think his ceiling's really high John's the pressure's probably down a little bit I think they're going to I think in their ideal situation Michigan uses Livers at three different positions kind of as a utility knife and then Johns can come in as well cuz he he has a similar game where he can be the 4 or the 5. I don't know if he can play the 3, but his size would suggest that he could with with some more work on his footwork and his speed and his defense at that position, but yeah, DeJulius, I think is is probably the number two, and then I'd say I'd say John's number three. You know, they they were both top one hundred or four star recruits for a reason, and I mean you can go back and watch their highlight tape. They look like players who can make a difference for this team. And when you have when you lose your top three top three scorers as Michigan did, you do need people who were on your bench to step up and contribute if you're if you're going to continue to be successful. I think thirty wins is unrealistic but if you're talking make the tournament and actually have a chance at a second weekend things like that you're gonna need DeJulius you probably need DeJulius to pass Brooks for the starting job and you probably need Brandon Johns to be knocking on that door as that first guy off the bench I think that's the that's the plan a scenario for Michigan this fall I mean yeah uh, hard not to agree with that I think I'm with you. Yeah. What I mean, what do you make of DeJulius and Johns? I, you know, we I know you're more of a football recruiting, but I'm sure you you saw some of the highlights, saw some of the things, uh, read the story, saw their games last season. I mean, is that a realistic jump in year one to or after one off season to go from what they were last year to maybe let's say seven to ten points per game scores? I mean, you'd, I would think so. Right. I mean, they, they were both pretty highly regarded guys. It's not they're, they weren't even what you would call the old beeline special. You know, I mean, these were guys right. <laughs> that were national recruits. So absolutely. I mean, I think. If not, you know, I, I guess it is. It's an if not now. What difference is a year two to year three really going to make for a You know, I don't know. I, I, I there think, is a difference, think, but it's not it's not everyone. But, everyone that's been good under beeline. You're right. You saw it as a sophomore. Right. And so, and again, and a lot of these, a lot of those guys were like under recruited type kids that took that leap. You know, these guys were, especially John's, you know, was a top 50 type kid. Uh, we saw it with DeJulius in high school, you know, watching him put up, what was it 45 or whatever in front of Tom Izzo and, uh, against Foster Lawyer, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, so, no, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, if you want to win, it is. It's those other guys that have to, you know, and the talent is clearly there in both in both instances. So, you know, I don't think, I think, uh, 
I just everything in basketball is a little more accelerated, I think, than in football. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're recruiting top 100 guys, you should be able to, you should be seeing something from them by the time year two comes around. I mean, again, something doesn't mean like superstar for every <laughs> not every guy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, but in, I mean, a lot. Of, I mean, again, still we're still talking top 100 type guys though too. So, uh, but you should be seeing something. Yeah. And so I don't think that yeah, seven to ten on a team that's going to need scoring. I don't think that's unreasonable at all to expect. Uh, I think it'd be, yeah, I think you're, I think that's setting a nice baseline for expectations for each of those guys. Cause again, it's not, you know, it is, it's there, there's going to be a need for more well-rounded unless somebody blows up, which would, you know, is always welcome, but <laughs> you're going to need more well-rounded scoring this year. If you're going to want to compete, you know, and you're going to need more buckets from a wider variety of guys. Right. And those are the two guys that immediately jump out as not just guys who are in the position to do that, but guys who you kind of feel like can and should. Right. Well, and for those curious, what is what do they have to do? John's, I think a lot of it is similar to Isaiah Livers, where it's getting to the line, playing physical, being comfortable going up because, you know, he played at a very small school and in a small school district where he was probably five inches taller than at least half the players that guarded him. So what do you do when someone who's 230 pounds posts you up right back? You know, what's your response then? And to Julius, he is someone, he's very exuberant. I say, I use the word hyper here, but maybe that's not the perfect thing. He's someone that they've had to say, hey, you need to stop working out so much because we don't want your body to get broken down or worn down, you know, or, and, and they've said you need to slow down in these games because it's practice and you're going to need to be able to be at full strength. So he's, he's a, he's a very ambitious trainer. And so a lot of it will come down to mental. And I can't think of a better player to learn from for that than Xavier Simpson. I think they're in a very good spot at that point guard position. You know, and Zeb Jackson, who's coming in 2020, similar opinion there. So it's there. I think they both. I think both of their next steps are more mental than physical. Like they don't need to learn how to play basketball better. They just need to learn how to utilize what they can do better. And some of that will come. Beeline always talked about the body confidence. When you're stronger, you're more confident in making these changes to your game and things like that. But, yeah, it certainly certainly seems feasible. I know uh, Todd Schultz asked who's going to lead Michigan in scoring. Steve, do you think it's Franz? You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Leading scorer? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of do, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't write off Simpson, though, okay. to be honest with you. Uh, you know, we talk about a guy who's gotten better and better every year. 
You know, I mm-hmm. wondered, I wonder if he's, I'll bet he has worked harder than anybody at with his perimeter shooting, right? You know, we saw what he was able to do with the hook shot last year, which to me is like, that's such a good sign of a guy who like really is like putting in the hours. Like, right. Did not only like develop that shot, but to like make it a legitimate weapon. You know, that's a guy who can look in the mirror and say, okay, I know, I, I see what my limitations are. How can I break through or beat, beat my, beat some of my limitations or outsmart like competition or whatever? You know, and so for me, I think that's a, it's about as clear an indicator as you're ever going to get that there's, that this is a guy who puts in all the hours at trying to get better. So for that reason, I would never write him off as a guy who may come out this year and play much better from the perimeter. But I think if I was betting or putting money on it, I would probably say Wagner. I mean, he's, he's arguably a, a pro, like a pro level player that's entering. That's going to be on their roster. You know, I mean, you look at what Iggy did. I mean, are we, don't we kind of think, wouldn't you say that Wagner probably at a more advanced spot than Iggy even was coming in, right? I mean. Maybe. I think Iggy was pretty, I mean, he turned 20 in January. So he was true. kind of ready to. But I, when people have asked, okay, so how big of a deal is this? I say, I think his impact will be comparable to Iggy's. I don't know that he'll have the same impact. I don't know if he'll score over 500 points, but I think it will be the same type of situation where, you know, he probably could, if, if it, just like Iggy, I think Iggy, if he had been able to not go to college, I think he could have made it, right? I think he could have done the G League, starred there, moved up. I think sure. Franz could be in a similar boat if, if he had chosen that path, right? Or he could have played for Alba Berlin and, Worked his way, you know, maybe two or three years down the road to where he's getting drafted pretty high. And so the college route will maybe give him more immediate exposure. Michigan, I'm with you. I think I think he's going to lead the team in scoring. You know, I think it'll be similar to Iggy as far as how much of the offense flows through him. The wild card, of course, no one knows what Juwan Howard's system will look like or what he will look like as a coach. But... Yeah, I think uh, a scoring first wing on a team without any other scoring first wings <laughs> could could very much lead the team in scoring. It's, you know, and, and Simpson and Teske, I, I got to think they're going to average double figures this year just because someone has to take the shots. But neither of them are, are consistent night-to-night scoring first players. And I don't know that they necessarily need to be or want to be. But yeah, I think I think Franz leads the team in scoring. By the way, one thing with the Julius and Johns, if you run through the list of Michigan's NBA draft picks, a couple of them were ready freshman year. Tim Hardaway, Iggy Brzdakis, Trey Burke, Nick Stauskas, arguably. Although I think Nick Stauskas made a huge jump in his sophomore year. But so did so did Karis LeVert. So did Mo Wagner, so did Xavier Simpson, John Teske. And as you pointed out, usually you will be able to see it. And so, but, and DJ Wilson was the one player who you didn't see it as a sophomore, but you saw it as a redshirt sophomore after he had the injury season. So you are right to that. But yeah, back to the scoring. I think it's Franz. I hear you with, with Simpson because I know he puts in the hours. 
and his dad's a, a great coach and they're able to do this, does that almost make you more skeptical that he'll find his three-point shot, though, in the sense uh, that he, it, yeah, if he fair. could have found it, he would have by now? I just he's a I just he's a tweaker. Uh like I said, he's I think he's the type of guy who's comfortable that knowing you can just tell by the way that he's kind of evolved. He's comfortable in knowing that something's not working or that something's not good enough. Mm-hmm. So he's willing to adapt and maybe change. So I'm putting a little bit of again, I I pick Wagner, right? I mean I'm not I'm not picking Simpson. Uh he's just a guy that I'm never gonna write off in that regard. You know, is uh a guy that'll find the right formula and and get better but i know that's the natural response though i mean we just got done talking about how you know you usually you see it out of a guy's second year less so third year i mean he's in his last year right, right so right. you know is, is he kind of not maxed out but is do, or do we kind of have what we're going to have with him so um yeah that's the natural response i just i don't know maybe it's just naive of me but i just he's a guy i wouldn't really ever write off in that regard i suppose yeah Last question. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it because we'll have a preview stuff, I'm sure, in the fall when we have a better sense of who's gained, who hasn't. But what is kind of the, not not expectations, but maybe that barometer of where you would measure the season as a successful one for Juwan Howard's first season and an unsuccessful one? Because I think before... Franz arrived. I think it was make the tournament and win a tournament game. I think with Franz, you don't get to vault back into the top 10 where they were in all those way too early preseason rankings before Iggy and Jordan Poole decided to, and and John Beeline decided to depart. But I do think you're back into, for me, and I'll get your thoughts in a second, for me, I think you're back into that top 25 mix, and I think you can say if you make it to the second weekend, you had a successful season. And I, I think, and I think you get to say that without obviously, obviously you could say that before Franz came, but I think you get to say that is what will make it a successful season. So I think he's worth three or four wins. You know, I think he can he puts you back into that second tier. In the Big Ten, because I, I think Michigan State, I don't think anyone's catching them right now. Uh, and then there's that Maryland-Purdue, well, maybe Purdue-Maryland group. And I don't know if Michigan was necessarily in that con- – Ohio State might be in that con- – You know, I think Michigan gets to re-enter that group where they look at all these Big Ten teams and they say, well, we have a chance to win. We have a chance – You know, we can go to battle with anybody. We have a chance for this stuff where – Whereas if you lose your top three scores, you don't replace them with anybody. I don't know. How did your expectations for Michigan's season change with Franz? Because this is a huge, huge recruiting win. As you said, he's technically, you know, could be a pro. He could be a one and done. He could be a two and done. Uh, you know, he, Are we kind of expecting him to be a one and done, Zach? Like it'd be a kind of a surprise if he stuck around for more than one year. I think so. I think the one factor with European players is, you don't know what the, like what what does Franz look like against American players, and this is where coming to Michigan benefits him because he can adjust to the American game. He can adjust to being a starter because, as encouraging as scouts will be that he won the German Young Player of the Year, he averaged four point seven points per game in Europe. 
no one really knows what that means. That can mean a lot of different things. So it's, I think there's, I would be pretty certain he would be a one and done. Either way. Right, either way. His eyes are on the NBA, and Michigan knows that, and they're embracing that. and um, So it's a big impact. I mean, they, here we are in July, and Michigan gets, you know, it's not handed to them. They had to earn it, right? And, and you know, the strong relationship Juwan and, and Saudi Washington built with the Wagner family paid huge dividends. But they were kind of gifted a top 20 or so player in the Big Ten maybe even higher, maybe top 10 player in the Big Ten. So how did your expectations change with Wagner's commitment? Well, I mean, they they changed, right? I mean, actually, it's like, I don't know, second weekend, first weekend. I don't know. I mean, I, I think the, the on the flip side, I, I still think there are too many unanswered questions about the roster, mm-hmm. you know, to make any grand statement as far as like you know how far they'll go or how far they should go but i mean it it definitely changes the outlook for the season though i mean like you said again it's one thing if this is just a a stud recruit but he is you could almost draw up the type of player that they needed to fill out this roster and that's what you're getting you know and so in that regard uh, sized size heavy shooting wing that i mean it's ready yeah, to go you know right <laughs> i mean you, you yeah it's like uh yeah it's like a plug and play you know type deal like you know and so in that regard i mean yeah it changes uh a lot of expectations again yeah i think it's pretty much a consensus that michigan state's gonna be the heavy favorite within the conference season but you know for a team that's going to have some pieces who are either new in new spots or who have like much higher expectations, I think this is one area this will be similar to a beeline team is that I think it's a team that will be much better in February and March than it will be, you know, I guess, I guess than it is early in the season, which I know that's kind of the opposite of what happened this last year, but, but still, I think this will, Mm, this will resemble more of, you know, the classic teams that just seem to get better and better uh, as the year goes on. So, yeah, I mean, it it does, it changes everything. I think that goes without saying at this point though, it's just a matter of, yeah, how much, like I said, I I don't know. Um, Definitely be a tournament team though. Right. I mean, I I think it'd be a huge disappointment if they didn't get back in the tournament again. It's just a matter of how high and where and, um, what they do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm with you. I do think I agree with you. I think the team will get better throughout the season because they lost their top three scorers. They lost three starters. Uh, a couple, couple of them were, well, I guess Matthews was the only one who was a contributor for multiple years, but but at the same time, they have, you know, seniors, multi-year captains in Teske and Simpson. They have intriguing players like Livers and Johns and DeJulius. They have arguably, maybe this is too soon, their star in Franz, you know, at least someone who who might continue that incredible <laughs> draft streak that just keeps keeps making Michigan look better and better. But there's a lot of time between here and there, and we don't know what Juwan Howard's like as a coach. We'll keep you updated, though, as we hear more things. You know, maybe there'll be some some rumblings out of summer workouts. Maybe there'll be more, you know, completion to the schedule. 
I'll probably do Big Ten Power Rankings now that Michigan has its team complete. I'll probably do some research and break it down myself in a little bit. So stay tuned for that. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.